Here's verse 5 of 2 Kings 3. But it came to pass when Ahab was dead that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. And King Jehoram went out of Samaria the same time and numbered all Israel. And he went and sent to Jehoshaphat the king of Judah saying, The king of Moab hath rebelled against me. Wilt thou go up with me against Moab to battle? He said, I will go up. I am as thou art. My people as thy people. My horses as thy horses. He said, which way shall we go up? And he answered, the way through the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went and the king of Judah and the king of Edom. And they fetched a compass of seven days journey. There was no water for the host, for the cattle that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, the Lord hath called these three kings together. Of course, this was not true. The Lord didn't do that. That sinful king did. He had a plan. But Jehoshaphat said, Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know what you're saying is true. We're out of water and we're in trouble. And Jehoshaphat asked, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord? that we may inquire of the Lord by him. One of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Amen. Is there not a word? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, strengthen this body. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for the spirit that resides in this house. I thank you for the anointed worship leaders that sang, musicians that played. We want to entertain your presence and we lift you up. Now I pray right now, let the glory of God continue in this house. Fall on us right now to hear and receive the word with all readiness of mind. And let the Holy Ghost be prevalent in every place where we reside. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you put your Bibles down now? And wherever you are, would you clap your hands unto the Lord? If you're at home, clap your hands. Thank you, and you may be seated. Hmm. In the cast of kings, which occupied the children of Israel's history, there exists a collage of names that often blur our retention to their stories and their accounts outside of routine study perhaps even the memorization of Israel's timeline these monarchs can easily run together their names after all are uncommon to most of us there's a baby dedication in the 1130 service I was thinking of that this week, and there's more baby dedications to come. 
And of all the dedications I've performed, I've yet to come across the name Baby Jehoshaphat or Jehoam or Baby Peleg. So let it be, just let it be. No need to begin now. I've read to you one of two times, two moments, that King Jehoshaphat asked for a word from the Lord. In each instance, he sought out a man of God, a prophet no less. The first time, the prophet Micaiah stepped forward to offer what could only be described as a tragic end if those adjoining kings went forth into battle. Micaiah told Jehoshaphat, go home. He told the others, go home. Do not go to this battlefield. This battlefield will end in certain death. Those other kings, the carnal ones, they mocked Micaiah. They thought they could handle the battle all by themselves. Jehoshaphat, however, was witness to their death. He saw their end. He saw their issue at hand. The devastation of their armies. The havoc that ensued. Micaiah's word of warning had gone unattended and devastation followed. So it's no wonder that when another plan was presented to him here in 2 Kings, Jehoshaphat asked the same question as he did before. Here are the two instances. The first one, Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we may inquire of him? 2 Kings. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? They weren't the only times that King Jehoshaphat sought for a word from the Lord. Second Chronicles features yet another quandary as warring nations came against his people. And again, Jehoshaphat sought for the direction of God. What shall we do and what shall be done? This time, the word came from Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, who said, and I quote, Hearken, ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's. The sermons of hope and confidence that have come from this single line of scripture are too numerous for me to count. People in every subsequent generation have held on to what was said that day. They have applied it to so many of their individual and respective situations. It's a word about God's promise and his power. In spite of the odds, a great multitude is no match for the Lord, ladies and gentlemen. Impossible odds are placed aside when it comes to the Lord. Fear is banished when the Lord is involved. And then there is the challenge to the church to stand still, to watch God do his omnipotent work and the realization of ownership. Come on, say ownership. Because the battle is not yours, it is God's. Oh yes. And all of it and more have been guiding light and illuminations in many dark times. It's a word, a needed word from the voice of God's man to all who will listen. Our text joins a host of Jehoshaphat's other requests. And though he did not have it all together, he wasn't a perfect man. He wasn't an altogether righteous king. Jehoshaphat embraced this axiom of truth that both direction and deliverance comes from the Lord. 
He sought for a word. He asked for it. He questioned whether or not there was a word or a prophet, some anointed man of God to give them what they could not give themselves. Elisha, the prophet, will rise to speak truth and direction into the life of this king. At times, Elisha will look like the tour guide of, tour guide of faith for Jehoshaphat. Elisha will speak instruction and then revelation and understanding and the king will receive it with open arms and an open mind and a willing heart. God gave Jehoshaphat Elisha. And Elisha guided the life of Jehoshaphat in moments of decisions and perplexity. The word was found. For all intents and purposes. Jehoshaphat had Elisha, that devil-portioned prophet. Shouldn't be such a foreign subject to our world. Everyone seems to have someone. When I sort of woke up in the world at large, somewhere in my teenage years, I heard a myriad of voices, one of which was Alan Greenspan. He served as the head of the Federal Reserve for almost 30 years. The Federal Reserve sets the tone of, maybe you can even say temperature, of the financial markets, the interest rates. People paused to hear what he had to say. Wall Street stopped. Everybody stopped what they were doing when he went to the microphone to speak. Brokers in other countries got out of bed to tune in to what he was going to say. Because a word from this man would send buyers and sellers, bankers, lenders into peace or panic. They hung on his every word. The fluctuation of economies are often measured by the rise and the fall of the reserve. And there are others, politicians, Instagram influencers, which are probably nothing more than cheap imitations of leaders, business owners, powerful CEOs, Jamie Dimon comes to mind, Dr. Fauci, He's been in place since 1984, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. But few cared or even know who he was until now. Now thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people hang on his every word. He just decided that maybe the National Football League should not play. It seems he has many words. And for the span of three months... He was the word of authority for America. People stopped what they were doing. Parents called their children. Get out of the pool. Fauci is speaking. Family gatherings. Pop the popcorn. Here we go. It's entertainment. It's news. We got we to hear what he has to say. And yet neither money or medicine has ever given us any direction or the direction that we really need. But I preach today. We need a word from the Lord. We need a word to guide and direct us. We need a spiritual word. The words of secular men are found to be wanting. They cannot redeem the soul. They cannot lead us out of captivity. They cannot lead us into the way called holy. I stand to say, we've got to have a word. Is there not a word? Jehoshaphat asked for it and God gave him Elisha and 
and the question is now presented in our day and time. I'm not searching for another humanistic approach. I'm seeking for a spiritual answer from the Lord. Read the scripture. You'll find that God did not and would not leave his people without some attendant in their life. Kings and peoples were all offered the same thing by God. Every issue, every period of trouble had a God opportunity attached if they sought for it. David had Nathan. David, with all of his military prowess and musical ability, oh, with all of his learned leadership and giftedness, he still needed a word. He was the king, yes. He was loved and adored. But no amount of success removed him from the need to be led or to hear. Nor does it today. Material success can be a self-made prison to keep spiritual guidance at bay. In fact, sometimes the more successful people are, the less they want to have a spiritual word because it often invades their thinking. Nathan's word did not always comfort the king. No, it did not. Sometimes it cut David to the core. It exposed David before everybody. It broke down the egoism that fortifies the human spirit against the Holy Spirit. And yet, Nathan's word saved David's life. It brought David to repentance and then on to restoration because they are always in that order. Repentance and then restoration. Both of those positions would have been laid empty without the word had David rejected Nathan the kingdom would have crumbled before him and David would have gone down as yet another failed monarch so I rise to say give me a word is there not a word we gotta have a word from God we have to have a word from the pulpit we have to have a word from somebody who's anointed in our life ah So many after him have rejected the word for their lives and history tells of their failed and tragic end. But God gave David Nathan. God gave David a sharp and yet reassuring voice. A voice with no vested interest. A word that would rescue the one they called a man after God's own heart. Think of it. Even that kind of man, that kind of heart needed a word. David had Nathan and I ask you today, Who do you have? Mm. Ahab, well, as wicked as he was, God didn't leave him out either. Here's the Bible's description of King Ahab. He built a grove. 1 Kings 16, he did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Ahab was the worst of the worst. He rose to the top of all the wicked kings that were prior to his leadership. He set the standard in transgressions against God. The litany of offenses are so numerous that time would not permit me to tell them all. He exhausted the catalog of crimes. But in God's omniscience, Elijah was found. And while Ahab sinned and led the nation astray, God did not leave Ahab without a chance to change. A word from God always gives us a chance to change. Because his compassions run so deep. The human mind cannot perceive them. His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. It endures, the Bible says. God gave Ahab Elijah 
And there were signs given by this great prophet before the king. Fire falling from heaven. Rain. Thunder. A massive downpour from the smallest of clouds. The Bible never says that Elijah saw a massive cloud. We just assume that it happened. He never saw it. It never says it. It just says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. I'm going to tell you, God can give us a downpour with the smallest of clouds. He doesn't need a big cloud to give you a downpour. He can give you a revival and a power and a strength from the smallest of things. Mm -hmm. All those signs, deliverance and wonder in the prophet's own hand. Ahab, all the signs anyone would ever seek for. There were no shortages of God's miraculous power displayed before the king. He could never say that no one showed him or no one told him. Ahab had Elijah. Elijah. Elijah, he had no equal. He even shows up in the New Testament, appearing with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Elijah, who is taken up from the earth in what the scripture calls a fiery chariot, his falling mantle became the most unique succession plan of all time. Ahab had Elijah. He had a spoken and proven word in his life. So ladies and gentlemen, take a view of the Bible's pattern It is replete with God's word spoken by divine appointment to lead people into life and into salvation. Ruth had Naomi. Peter had Andrew. Herod had John the Baptist. Lot had Abraham. Can you imagine? Abraham, the covenant keeper, the called out one, the father of many nations. Lot had the premier patriarch of the ancient world. Nineveh had Jonah. The Edomites had Obadiah. Little known Behesha, who surprisingly led the nation of Israel for 24 years. No one even knows his name, Behesha. Yes. He also does not make the top 10, even the top 100 boy names of any century. Behesha. But he had the prophet Jehu. And oh, what a prophet Jehu was. The Bible says, and I quote, the word of the Lord came to Jehesu, the son of Hazan. The word, the, that unknown or at least mostly unfamiliar leader had a word from God. Is there not a word from God? You see, the only people who do not have a word are those, are those people who do not want a word. That's why in the last days, they'll heap upon or they'll hire teachers. The Bible says they'll have 18 years. What it really means in our vernacular is they'll hire people that will tell them what they want to say. They'll hire a hireling. They'll hire someone. And so a pastor and a preacher will no longer be a calling. It'll be a job. God has always offered a call not one, something or someone, always. Hezekiah had Isaiah. There was no prophet more prolific than Isaiah. Isaiah, read in your Bible, his book. He peered across the balcony of time and wrote of the coming Messiah centuries before his birth. He wrote, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah had the sight of future so clear and precise. 
Isaiah, whose book has remained intact, being found in its complete form among the Dead Sea Scrolls in Palestine by a shepherd boy in 1946. Hezekiah had Isaiah. Barnabas taught Paul. He taught him for an entire year in his own home. Most of the apostles in those days and disciples, they, they were leery of Paul. They didn't want him. Paul, the most respected apostle, he would have been, he came to be of every succeeding generation. He still needed to be taught. Paul needed guidance. He needed a father figure who could speak truth and give keep training to the man who would come to write 13 books of our Bible. Apollos. Read it in your Bible. Acts 18. An eloquent man, mighty in the scripture, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. Being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. Knowing only the baptism of John. He didn't have it all. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Whom? When Aquila and Priscilla heard. They knew he was missing something. So they took him home and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Aquila and Priscilla. Apollos had Aquila and Priscilla because no one and I mean no one is self-led everybody needs a word because eloquence hear me eloquence is not the same as knowing the right true and holy way because men and women of all ages and all times and all seasons and all dispensations and all realms need a word and I say today we've got to have a word is there not a word Your Bible says that God is the one who gave pastors and prophets and teachers. God ordained them. God commissioned them, not men. It was a man-made thing. Organizations did not create the five-fold ministry. It was the Lord. He decided that. And only those who dismissed their need go without it. I say it's the self-sufficient, mostly religious people who rely on self-guidance, the conceited ones that reject the Lord's pattern. And I believe that you can and you should encourage yourself. I know that you should. There's no doubt that you must make up your own mind. And I sincerely hope that you take the initiative to educate yourself, expand your thinking, broaden every area of your life. But the Bible is clear. You cannot speak into your own life. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Here's verse 14 of Romans 10. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. In our church today, sitting in this house this morning, our missionary from Guatemala is is a sin one to a people that need the word is there not a word Timothy had Paul Timothy did not teach himself rather it was Paul who nurtured Timothy Paul fathered Timothy you want to talk about Father's Day? Let me tell you about Father's Day. Father's Day is bigger than barbecues. Father's Day is better than a toolbox. A father, you may not have brought them into the world, but you got to father somebody and teach them and give them the word of God. And even though Paul was not the biological father of Timothy, Paul called Timothy his son in the gospel. But I trust in the Lord 
Jesus, he's writing to the church at Philippi to send Timotheus, Timothy, shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort. I, I'm going I'm to be comfort when I know that he's with you. Because I have no man like-minded, verse 20, who will naturally care for your state. Everybody seeks their own things. Everybody goes their own way, Paul said. Verse 22, but ye know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he has served me in the gospel. Paul presented the word to Timothy in written form. It was nothing short of a God-breathed letter. I read it to you. I charge thee, Timothy, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Timothy had Paul. Who do you have? I've called my father on so many occasions. The years tell the story when my dad would give me direction, a word of caution, a fresh perspective on a situation. Burdened. Many years ago, we were... Just completing this building and we were out of money. We had kept back just a little bit of money as a retention for a job that was not yet completed. I was nervous about it. So I told Tammy, I'm going to go visit dad. He was laying a wood floor in his home. So I got my work clothes and I left, left town for three or four days and I wasn't praying, but I was on my hands and knees. <laughs> and every once in a while we would stop and we would talk about where we were going to go from here because I could not see another day in front of me or predict anything. And I was nervous because I knew I led this church into a building program and that was 2008 when we started and several years later and the economy was already pitiful. But I knew what God had said, but it, it was looking really bleak. So I went to help my dad and just in between times we would talk a little bit. Because <sighs> I needed a word from God. I needed direction. And I say with all respect regarding all situations, sons and daughters, they need a father or at least someone who would be a spiritual father who can speak the word. I know where I'm living and sometimes these words can be very touchy, but just know this, everybody needs a word. And for those without, you need a spiritual word. God gave me my father, but he also gave me Pastor James Stark. God promised it in his book to me. Jeremiah 3.15, I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. God put him in my life, and I pursue him. I cannot count the number of times that I've called my pastor to hear from him. Words of life, of wisdom, of guidance, a spiritual answer that connected my dilemma with wisdom from above. I need direction that would guide me. He's more than my pastor. He is my prophet. And I'm so honored to have him. Our day is a closing day. It's a day designed for the body of Jesus Christ to do the work of the kingdom. Nothing less will suffi suffice. It is a day of kingdom cause. 
The scripture speaks of it. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeem the time because the days are evil. Walk careful, be on guard, watchful, vigilant, attentive. It's a day for a word from God. And I stand here to preach about my own plight every Sunday. Hundreds of Wednesdays, counseling, conversations. I need a word, not my own word, not of my own making, but one that transcends my mortal, finite mind and my thoughts. I need something that comes from above through an inquiry and a prophet or a preacher in my life. And I preach today in light of our generation that needs a word from God and to our church that needs a word from God. God's book and the preached word are being smothered by a myriad of secular opinions and theorists and commentators all vying for your ear. It's a regurgitation 24 hours a day, every day of the week of mostly useless, sometimes baseless nonsense information that clouds the spiritual pursuit of the kingdom. So I say, and I, I didn't mean to do it just this way. It just so happened that I'm almost, I'm into it now almost five weeks. I just read a few articles here and there, but I'm not watching or listening or really reading the news. I turned it off. I don't want to know all of it. I'll tell you why. There's something that clouds my mind. There's all the nonstop information that's coming across all the news channels. They're selling you something. But I got a better thing for you today. It's the word that will never die. It's the word that will bring you out. It's the word that will give you peace. It's the word that will give you joy and direction and help. Is there not a word? I gotta have a word. I'll tell you what we're doing. We're listening to all kinds of people because they have, they have a PhD after their name or they have some kind of degree. But I say right now, there's no word higher than this word. There's no book higher than this book. And you ought to pay attention. Thy words were found and I did eat them. Don't you think, don't, don't think this is by no, by, by happenstance or chance. This is the design of the enemy to destroy your faith and your life. The enemy has designed this day to disrupt every good thing of God and strip you of every faith and every walk and every prayer. That's the design of the enemy. I'll read it to you in Ephesians 2. The prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Yes. <laughs> so I'll answer King Jehoshaphat. And I'll answer all of you. Yes. Everybody say yes. There is a word. There is an answer. There is a guide to all who might inquire. God did not leave us without it. You got to look for it. You got to ask for it. You got to want it. You got to put it on your plate for dinner. In fact, I challenge you. Every day that you don't read your Bible, don't eat food. You know how to lose the corona belly? I'll tell you how to lose it. Only eat food the days you read your Bible. Oh, oh. I shouldn't have said that. I'm so sorry. Find yourself tucked under the umbrella of the word. Because we're not living by temporary things. Oh, no. 
Even Jesus Christ in his mortal flesh needed a word. And that's why when the devil tempted him three times, this is his statement. Each time he started it the same way. Thus saith the Lord. He's at the end of a 40 day long fast. Jesus is weak. His body is failing. He is hungry. He is destitute. He has no one around. He could have called anybody. He could have saved himself. And the devil knew that. And the devil tempted him. But when the Lord replied to the devil, when Jesus replied, he said, Thus saith the Lord. Now, if the incarnate God needed the Lord, needed the word to answer, who are we to start quoting people who we think have authority? Nobody is bigger than your God. I rise to say, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We're not going to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I hope you can get in your mind. I hope you walk out of this building. I'm not living by that word. I'm not living by that word, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I got an answer. Yes, there is a word. Come on, lift up your hands and receive it right now. And out of your mouth, say, Lord, show me your word. I want to, I want to have your word. I got to hear the word. I got to, I got to speak the word. I got to know what you're saying, Lord. Everything's pressing against us, Lord. But I know there's a word from you. I know there's a word from you. I'm not trying just to provoke everybody for a, for a response. Please pardon me, but I do ask sincerely, are there any hungry people in here that want to uh, give me a word? Let me tell you, when this day is over, before I go to bed, like I've done every Sunday night, For several decades, I say, okay, now what, Lord? Now what? Not a Sunday night goes by for decades before I know there's another day coming and I got to have a word from you. I cannot get up and speak and preach just anything. It's got to come from you. I want to tell you about this word that I preach, this message. This message is not a copy-paste message. This is my entire life. Give me a word. Give me a word. Give me a word. That's why sometimes i got to shut off all the noise and turn down everything because God can't speak. He's trying, but he can't get through. Just reach out to Jesus right now. Reach out to Jesus right now.